This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 14. Episode 38. This is Writing Excuses, Volunteer Opportunities for Writers with Jared Kwan. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And I want to volunteer. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dan. I'm kidding. And we... (laughs) (laughs) That's your best one in a while, Howard. (laughs) Nice nice job. Um, uh, We're live at LTUE, uh, Science Fiction Convention. And we have special guest star, Jared Kwan. Jared, tell us a little bit about yourself. For sure. So uh, I'm currently a volunteer on five nonprofit boards. I work uh, four jobs. I have five children, uh, one of which has been on a heart transplant for about a year now. And you um, offered this opportunity to us to talk about volunteering, which is not something we've ever even approached on the podcast. So I'm really excited for this. Um, so I just want to say like writers volunteering, you have writers volunteering for you. What do they do? They do just about everything. Uh, thankfully, actually every, uh, convention, every writing group, every, um, Every small or large writing group needs volunteers in order to succeed. And so, uh, writers, we have filling roles from leadership capacities to, you know, treasurer to uh, teaching classes, uh, depending on what, what's needed at the, at the time. Awesome. How do writers find these opportunities? How do you find these writers? Well, writers oftentimes hide themselves away in small basements, so we go through the streets and bang loud gongs and uh, have them come out on their free will. No, we um, <laughs> we post opportunities. Uh, we put them on- online. We uh, we have them come out to our groups. We let them know what opportunities are available. Writers, oftentimes very curious about things, will um, occasionally volunteer themselves out there very hesitantly. I'm just going to underscore what he's saying, that, that everybody, every organization needs volunteers. Like, I am, um, I do a lot of volunteer stuff effectively with the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America. So at the time of this recording, I am currently running unopposed for the president of Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, which means by the time you're listening to this, I will likely have been a year into volunteering for this organization. And aside from two employees, everything that CIFWA does is volunteer run. Um, A lot of people ask because Utah has so many writers, so many, you know, best-selling writers, such a massive and successful writing community. And my answer is always that it it is people like Jared. It It is the people who are organizing all of these fellowships and writing conventions and all of the support groups. It's the volunteers who are forming that very supportive community that helps create all of these writers and give them the tools that they need to succeed. Wait a minute. You said five boards? Yes. (laughs) Yes, five boards, all with the blessing of my wife, thankfully. Uh, so I'm on the uh, the Cultural Arts Society of West Jordan, which is the West Jordan Arts Council. Uh, I serve with the South Jordan Arts Council, the Eagle Mountain Arts Alliance, 
the League of Utah Writers and uh, Big World Network. So I'm I'm very diversified on on uh, my opportunities. Now I used to volunteer on other boards like the Association of IT Professionals, uh, as well as some other city boards. But you know, five tended to be my limit. It might be a little <laughs> bit different for everybody else. I don't recommend everybody rush out and try to get onto five boards. You know, try one out first. See how that goes, <laughs> and then see if you can expand from there. So, an average, like I don't know if there is an average, but like, what are some examples of some of the things you do on some of these boards? Um, and talk a little bit about the challenges that these boards have. For sure, yeah. When it came to the League of Utah Writers, I was a, a two-time president. In its 83-year history, the Constitution would allow for a president to uh, serve one term. It would be a president-elect president, and then they'd move to past president. And uh, I was very fortunate. The board had um, voted to amend the Constitution to allow me to be the president for a second year in a row in its 83 history. So I was I was very uh, honored to have that. But then uh, it's because I was leading over the, the group of volunteers and trying to figure out the best way to utilize their resources and help them both find the resources they were looking for and put their best skills to use. Uh, there's other instances where uh, with the Eagle Mountain Arts Alliance, where I'm on their uh, grants and fundraising uh, board, where uh, I have to go out there and try and help uh, get the funding for the arts uh, to, to be successful, which can be very difficult. Um, getting authors, uh, we often refer that to, um, to like herding a group of chickens. Uh, that same thing is exactly true when it comes to getting them to volunteer for things. We have many very dedicated, hardworking volunteers, and many that want to be dedicated, hardworking volunteers, but most of the time they, um, they try hard, and I re we really appreciate them regardless. Um, Mary Robinette, when you have served for CIFWA before, you were the treasurer, I think? No, God, no. no. <laughs> uh, you, were, you were something else. Secretary. Secretary, that's and, what it and is. And vice president. Uh, what did you do? <clears throat> like, what were some of the examples of things that you participated in? So I was, uh, I was the secretary and then the vice president. Uh, my role as the secretary was to make sure that communications went out to the members in a timely fashion. Um, and then to take minutes. We have since, uh, usually, I believe that the current board actually has someone else to take minutes, uh, so they don't rely on a secretary who can type fast, which, weirdly, for a group of writers, is actually difficult to find sometimes. Um, and then as the vice president, I supported the presidential the president's uh, initiatives. Um, so that's, uh, that's involving helping set policy. Uh, and then I also did volunteer coordination, which at the time with CIFWA was paired with the vice president. But the reason that it was paired with the vice president was that originally the vice president was someone who enjoyed doing volunteer coordination. And so then that got linked. Um, I also enjoyed doing volunteer coordination, but subsequent vice presidents have not. So there is a separate volunteer coordinator. And I think that's, that's one thing that you should know when you go to volunteer for someone is that you should know what it is that you enjoy doing. And, and then the other thing that I say is, is also to look at things that you want to improve on, because this gives you a great opportunity to practice things and, and do some good. One of the things that I've noticed with a lot, of, uh, a lot of volunteer organizations with which I've interacted mostly from the outside is the, the absence of a strong institutional memory 
that from year to year things will change and something got done really well one year and then it's like they forgot how to do it altogether. And the thought that I had, and I'm running running this past you, I'm, I'm vetting this idea for you. <laughs> Writers who want to volunteer might consider volunteering as historians, creating institutional memory perhaps by documenting things that are working and things that are not. Mary. I have so much to say about this. Um, <laughs> So the thing is that most of the time, actually, people are documenting these things. Uh, that's what the minutes are. The problem is training incoming board members to actually read those minutes and to look at the institutional history. So a lot of boards uh, solve this problem by having an executive director who does not turn over. That is a paid position. Uh, SIFWA has an executive director who's Kate Baker and then uh, the associate executive director, Tara LeMay. They are the only two employees but they exist predominantly to provide institutional memory. We also have an operations policy and procedure manual for exactly that thing that you're talking about, but you do have to train incoming board members to read those. Exactly, and that's part of the problem. I mean, um, people really want to jump in there and volunteer, and sometimes you train them really well, but they're just not very good natural leaders. Sometimes they're just tremendous leaders, um, but when it comes to, to volunteering, I think the most interesting question for people is typically like, why would I volunteer? Why would I give up all, you know, gobs of my writing time to, to go out and volunteer? Uh, and it's not a completely uh, unrewarding piece when it comes to volunteering. As it turns out, it's very rewarding. Oftentimes it gives you access to tons of resources and opportunities that you would have never had the opportunity for had you not volunteered. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week, which is Changing Wax. Yes, Changing Wax. It's my favorite book. It's a, it's a kind of like an homage to, uh, uh, to Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams. It's a, a world ruled by dark and light, dictated by a book of magic. And uh, the book's become so powerful, it lets the leaders of those two factions know exactly who's going to kill them, who's going to end their reign. And so it's a story about how sometimes you meet your destiny on the road to escape it. Uh, as well as as a story of of unlikely heroes uh, pursuing it. Awesome. Um, So I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention, while we're at a science fiction convention, that one of the great ways for writers um, and fans to volunteer is to get involved in your local science fiction convention. Uh, Most conventions like LTUE are fan-run, fan-created, and they need tons of volunteers and um, these, uh, these conventions provide avenues for aspiring writers um, to meet other writers, to listen to panels and things like this. I mean, it's not the only thing that cons do. They do a ton of things. But m- me personally, my entire career was helped greatly by the people who were willing to volunteer and run conventions. Um, something I had a lot of experience with was um, also volunteering on a science fiction fanzine. 
um, the uh, the local uh, fanzine at my uh, my university, though we wouldn't call it a fanzine, we called it a semi-prozine, because we <laughs> did pay a few cents um, to everybody, but really it was this same sort of thing where it was, let's gather, gather as a community, let's try and help other writers by giving them feedback, let's create something, let's see what it's like to publish. And I tell you, if you're an aspiring writer, going for a little while and sitting and reading slush um, and learning how a magazine works, um, even a you know semi-pro or very small magazine, it will help you understand the business and the industry so much. Uh, it's one of the most foundational things in me becoming a professional writer was me seeing what other aspiring writers were writing. So I want to talk to people who are thinking, listening to this going, oh, I think I may want to start volunteering for something. That's a great idea. I'm going to talk about something that Chris Hadfield says that, uh, in his book, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. And he talked about becoming an astronaut and and that his his goal, his, the thing he wanted was to be exceptional. That, that if you're an astronaut, that's kind of one of the drives. But that what he actually learned was that he needed, when he came into a new situation, to aim to be a zero. And, and that sounds off-putting at first. But what he meant was that you come in, and the situation is stable. And you can either be a positive force or a negative force, or you can be neutral, and you can help maintain status quo. And that when you first come into a new situation, you don't actually know exactly what the status quo is. So you can try to make changes that are actually making things worse. Or you can just try to help maintain the status quo until you understand it, and then you can aim to be a force for positive change. So one of the things that I recommend when people come in, usually people come in and they're like, I want to change everything. I want to shake up the system. (laughs) It's like, come in, just work with the system for a little bit, figure out why things are that way before you start diving in and trying to change things. Just aim to be a zero for a little bit. Absolutely. I think that's one of the, the, the best things you can do is get into there to see, because sometimes from the outside you have an, an assumption of why they don't have a resource or why they're not doing something so well. But when you get in there and volunteer, you can kind of get to see it firsthand and go, oh, I get it. The reason they don't have that is because it costs $10,000 and nobody has that right now. You know, it's, it's being able to see those things and then apply um, the right type of advice or work towards something so that uh, you can help them accomplish it. So um, kind of along these lines, this is, this is a little odd one to say, I get a lot of people asking me if I need a volunteer intern. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's happened to you guys um, on the panel, but um, I get this a lot, and I can understand this instinct. You're an aspiring professional writer. Um, oftentimes in many fields, they'll say, well, go intern or things like this um, and whatnot. Problem is I don't need interns. Um, I'm sitting by myself writing my books, um, and the things I could use you for as, um, as slave labor um, will not be helpful for you in your <laughs> publishing. And in fact, it would be irresponsible of me to take you on as an intern and have you do that because uh, as an intern, I should be teaching you. In fact, many, many cities and states have laws on what you can have an intern do and how much time they should be spent in learning. And um, I hire people to do those things for me rather than just uh, using the the free intern labor. And so um, I, I feel really bad. People often ask if they can do this. 
I do know that a lot of publishers um, take interns. And so you could try that. But um, generally asking writers if you can intern for them is uh, not going to be very fruitful. Uh, one of the things that you, you said earlier, Jared, uh, the you asked the question, what am I going to get out of this? Um, my, my response when we're talking about volunteering is that the, the first answer needs to be, I need to not feel like I'm getting anything out of it. I need to be excited enough to do this that I'm willing to volunteer. The second piece, and, and I feel like this is pretty critical, um, if there's an opportunity for exposure or an opportunity to meet my heroes who are doing whatever, um, I need to never let that be a driving force because it's probably going to incorrectly shape the way I behave. So what is it that I'm really getting out of it? And the answer that I would give is, I am going to learn the shape of other people's problems and then find ways to solve them. Absolutely, that's the best uh, answer you can give. There's, as a conference organizer, having worked with volunteers across different organizations, nothing drives you more nuts than somebody who comes in just wanting to talk about themselves, wanting to brag about themselves, wanting to like insert themselves next to like their hero. And I get it, right? I mean, I I have heroes that I've I've could have had the opportunity had I manipulated a situation uh, to be next to, but it's that. It's a byproduct. A reward is just a byproduct. It's not just feeling good. You will you will be rewarded, but it's not going out there just because you're going to be rewarded. That's just something that naturally comes eventually. Just to draw a line under that, I think one of the big differences between an intern and with puppetry, we do intern all the time because there's a direct exchange there. Uh, but the big difference between an intern and a volunteer or even between a, an effective volunteer and an ineffective volunteer is that volunteers do come in because they want to change the world, even if it's just a small microcosm. An intern is trying to advance their career. Someone who's coming into a volunteer position to try to advance themselves is coming into it for the wrong reasons. It's not that you can't also have that as a byproduct, but it can't be the driving force because your priorities at that point become the wrong priorities. And I think I'll just close this out with one of my favorite stories I've ever heard about volunteering in sci-fi fantasy fandom. It was when Dan and I were um, at one of our very first conventions we were going to as aspiring writers, uh, one of the world fantasy conventions. I can't remember which one it was at, but we were sitting in uh, the audience listening, um, and they were talking. The topic became volunteering at conventions and volunteering on fanzines. And one of the authors there shared a story where when they were a bit younger, um, they, they somewhat chagrinedly said, you know, I got my very first professional sale. Um, I sold to one of the magazines, and um, I suddenly thought, I've made it. Um, I, I am now a pro. I have crossed the, the lane, so to speak. And uh, their friends at the con are like, hey, do you want to come help us put the fanzine together? And they said, well, you know, I'm a pro now. Um, so <laughs> I don't think I need to be involved in this anymore. And at that moment, Isaac Asimov's head poked out of one of the rooms and said, hey, we're out of page 17. Um, can you send some more down? Um, and this author felt like an utter fool. Um, our, our entire, um, community is, is advanced by people volunteering and pitching in and together making science fiction fantasy fandom happen. So, um, 
I want to say thank you to everyone who's here at the convention, in particular those who have, um, who have volunteered. And give yourselves a round of applause. And in some ways, you're volunteering here by being our studio audience for us on our, on our podcast. Um, Jared, I want to say thank you very much for coming on. Uh, do you have a writing prompt for us? Yes, absolutely. The, the writing prompt, uh, my wife Lisa would be remiss if I didn't uh, kind of give this as the prompt, is to, is to actually go out and do a little bit of research on the writing organizations or groups that are in your area and uh, what activities or events they have to see where there might be a volunteer opportunity. That is the perfect writing prompt to have at the end of this um, this podcast. So thank you very much. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Or volunteer. Or volunteer. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.